On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, he'd have always got the good oil. Pity you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. It is time to chat to our Monday's expert guest today. And on this Monday, uh, really looking forward to finding a little bit about the story behind the name. It's a name that we've heard plenty of times here on Sky Sports Radio. And, of course, with our Kosciuszko tour kick-starting tomorrow in Mwollambar, I thought it would be quite timely to chat with a gentleman who can't have Kosciuszko horses, but he loves Mwollambar, and that is Matt Dunn. Matt, of course, we see winning races here in Metropolitan Sydney. We, of course, saw winning the Mwollambar Cup last Friday with Impasse, and gee, that was a big result for his stable, of course, Quinellaring the race, and he joins us now on the phone to have a yarn. G'day, Matt. Hey, Dave, how are you? Very good, mate. Uh, appreciate your time this morning, because I know you've got horses today. If you're listening on the podcast, there's a, a Lismore uh, race meeting on on this, uh, on this Monday, so you're very busy uh, getting yourself sorted for, for that, but um, do you like talking about yourself, uh, your story? I've been doing a bit of reading about you, and um, you've been on a wild ride. I'm not sure what the right answer to that is yeah, but no, look, um, um, yeah, it's been, it's been, um, it's been a good ride. Where did you grow up? Where did it all start? Uh, I grew up in Avalon, the northern beach of Sydney, um, and uh, got into racing through my grandparents owned a couple of horses and um, that were trained at Port Macquarie, and that's sort of how I got um, got off a surfboard and onto a racehorse, pretty much. Wow. And and so from growing up in Avalon, what was what was life like uh, away from from racing? Uh, that was how I sort of got into racing with through my grandfather. So for yourself, you weren't obviously with your grandfather the whole time, were you? You know, did you have dreams of becoming that world professional surfer, or what would life have been without racing for Matt Dunn? Uh, good question, because I left school halfway through year nine, so I don't really know what life would have been. But, um, no, look, it's, um, you know, that, that's, I mean, living on the northern beaches is a great great part of the world and you sort of don't realise how lucky you are living over there. Um, you're, you're pretty much excluded from lots of Sydney, but um, it was a great place to grow up, for sure. When did you uh, when did you make the move to uh, to Port Macquarie? Um, I'm, I, I sort of kicked off I kicked off at Warwick Farm with um, with Dave Sweeney, actually, and, and sort of spent the first four or five months of my working life there. Uh, and um, <clears throat> then after I sort of left there, it wasn't really the direction I, I wanted to go, and uh, went up to to join um, with a fellow by the name of Earl Morecambe at Port Macquarie. Um, probably, I, I think I was, I'd only been riding work for about six months when I went up there, and still sort of learning, and um, got a bit of a, a rush kickstart to my career pretty much I, I went up there and within um within sort of four months I was riding in races but it was a bit different then you know because was you know, there were no there were no I think I, I rode in one trial at Port Macquarie up the straight and, and straight into race riding so I think uh in those days in comparison to now obviously it's a lot more professional and, and things are done a bit uh, a bit gentler um but yeah that was uh crash bang here you go so, so I've sort of we've sort of jumped a bit there. So, obviously, you, you left school um, halfway through grade nine. Did you go into work in Sydney beforehand? Like, what, what made you sort of? What was the one moment where you went right? I'm gonna I'm gonna get into to thoroughbred racing because you were obviously a, a riding before you train, and we'll get to that. But was there a particular? Can you remember the particular moment? Um, not so much. It was it was more um, something that that I'd, I'd sort of just 
enjoyed and I enjoyed sort of doing form and and pretending to bet like lots of kids probably that, that are sort of um, keen on the sport. Uh, and then and then I I had to sort of learn to ride. I, I couldn't ride a horse much at all when I first started working for Dave Sweeney. I was I was, um, I was I was a real beginner pretty much. But um, but he he had a that called Scenic Hills Riding Ranch out there, and that was a, a good. Um, a good grounding for me because uh, I got the opportunity to sort of do that and love the sport. Didn't, didn't so much like living out at Campbelltown, but, but really enjoyed racing from from the time I, I sort of um, I was introduced to it uh, through my grandparents. I'd go to their place on holidays and and go to the races often, and as I said, sort of have make believe bets. And, and you know, that it's it's one of those things. I think, um, and everybody says the same: is you sort of get bitten by the bug and you, you, you're on your way and there's, there's no turning back sort of thing, you know. So I mm. um, don't know the exact time that I decided to go and do that, but I, I was little and um, school was tough and I sort of said, oh, let's give it a shot pretty much. Mm. Uh, we're chatting with Matt Dunn this morning, by the way, on Monday's Experts. So, Matt, you, you rode for a short time in Sydney. Uh, then you obviously you were riding up on the mid-north coast as well. And then you decided to, before even the thought of training, you actually went back to school and, and you did your HSC. Yeah, I did. I did my HSC at TAFE and um, sort of sort of was looking. I, I was getting heavy um, and was looking for other options. So I went and did my HSC and then did an accounting diploma at at, um, at TAFE as well. Um, with with right when when I was riding, only riding one day a week, pretty much on Saturday. So there's plenty of spare time to to do other things. And I think that the decision to go and do that um, has helped me with in later life with, with sort of um, running businesses and uh, managing staff and you know it's um it's, it's certainly something that um that I, I'm I'm pretty lucky that I did that I think you know training was never really something I had in mind to be honest I, I didn't really have any great ambitions to become a racehorse trainer when when I finished riding which was getting closer all the time because I was sort of struggling to ride 59 at the end so um needed something else and then fell into training Mm. And you started training in Port Macquarie. How big was your stable when you first started? Uh, I think I had about 10 in work, um, 10 or 12. It wasn't a very big stable. I, um, my partner at the time um, was, was having a child and I sort of, it's quite funny actually, I, I gave up my jockey's licence on the Saturday and had a trainer's licence by Monday sort of thing. So again, things were, were done a bit, a bit differently a few years ago to what they are now. You know, it's, it's it was nowhere near as um, as difficult to to get any sort of license back then. But yeah, that that's pretty much how it happened. It was um, finished riding. So I had my last race ride Saturday and had a trainer's license by Monday. And what was it like in Port Macquarie? Because I know you, you you did pull the plug on the training for a while there, and you came back to work with your dad, uh, who has an earth moving business in Sydney or had an earth moving business in Sydney. So was it, was it just hard at the start from the quality of horse you had? Or, I mean, obviously it's a little bit different now with the way prize money is and, and well, it's a whole, just a whole new ball game, but what were the, the hurdles you faced early doors? Uh, financially, it, it was, it was tough, you know, and it, you know, it's, it was very hard to make any money at, at that time. Um, you sort of had to train horses pretty cheaply and, do all the work yourself, and, and even then, it was you know it was we really struggled to make ends meet. It's it was um, you know I always had little jobs on the side, um, trying to get enough money to to try to make the stable work until eventually got to a point where, um, pretty much just said we're going in the wrong direction, and um, and went back to work for my dad for probably a year. And 
what was that experience like working for your old man? Because you jumped out of racing, you're back into you know a, a business um, of, of his. Did you pick up anything from that time to, to then take back into training? Or yeah, look, I mean, I was I was sort of operating machinery when I was sort of ten years old, so it was something I was more so going back to than anything. And um, you know, it was it was. It's funny because I didn't. I sort of gave up training, so oh, that'll do. I don't really need to be doing this. And, and at the time, it wasn't just me. Like nearly every country trainer tells the same story. It was really difficult. Um, and I, the idea was, I'd probably take over the business from um, from my father at, at some point. And then probably lasted about twelve months. And, and sort of went, oh, this is not really what I want to do. So uh, I set up. I, I decided to um, set up a, a stable at the Gold Coast. So I went back up there and started training again. And then after that, uh, Gerald Ryan got in contact with you. Yeah. Well, I was at the Gerald yeah. And um, I had a few of his horses actually in my place pre-training just to sort of keep numbers. I had about 25 in work and probably about eight or ten of them were Gerald's most of the time. And um, he approached me when he's pr- pretty much just set the Sydney stable up and sort of said, would you consider going down to run it? Um, and that was, again, that wasn't really something that I had planned to do. Um, but the money was going to be good and sort of went down and had a look and then a, a week or so um, at Rose Hill with, with Gerald and sort of decided to make the move and, and go and do that. And it was it was the right decision too because it, it gave me lots of great opportunities um, to uh, to be involved heavily in training um, good horses and, and, and meeting with uh, with clients. That, that Some of those people that I met when I was working with Gerald, I still have – they still have horses with me today, you know, so it was it was a really good experience and a, and a good opportunity, and um, I loved it actually. It was it was great. It sort of, you know, it, it, I was there for I think I was with Joe for about eight years, um, and like a, I enjoyed it more so when when it was a satellite stable before Joe moved down. Like when it was um, when it was just just set up, I was sort of there by myself most of the time, and I, I enjoyed that a lot more. It was more more challenging, and, and sort of when Joe moved down, stayed there for probably another another five years. Um, but it was good, very good experience. I, I saw a quote on your website, Matt, and, and we are chatting with Matt Dunn this morning on our Monday's Experts, chatting about his life and his career. A really interesting quote um, where you said, I think you need experience. I think a lot of lots of people can train horses and train them well, but you need to go to a big stable to learn how to train lots of them. And you... Um, from your model and set up, and it's not just yourself, it's a number of other stables as well, getting those bigger numbers in, but then once you've got those numbers, I guess managing them all, because that can be difficult. Yeah, that's exactly right, and that's that's what I learned when I sort of went to work for Gerald, is how to train lots of horses. I mean, you, you see a lot of trainers sort of get to a number of 25, 30, whatever, and then you seem to stall a bit, uh, and then you hear lots of stories that sort of saying, oh, I'll cut back numbers, so I want to concentrate more on it. And, I mean, when you've got 150 horses in work or 120 horses in work, you know, you can't, you've got to rely on other people a lot um, because you can't train every single one of them yourself. It, it doesn't work. Um, and you've got to come up with with systems and and put them in place so that, that, that suit nearly every horse kind of thing, you know. But um, I, th- I think that that's the key is, is learning how to train lots of horses with someone else guiding you. When I was with Gerald, that's exactly what I got. When what were some of the other things that uh, Gerald taught you, or, or even you just picked up along the way from all the different people that you worked with? Um, oh, look, I think everybody has different methods, and, and Gerald. I mean, one thing I was I was probably too soft on my horses um, the early days when I was sort of first training. Um, and, you know, sort of you learn how to adjust your programs and 
and basically, I mean, basic fitness programs are not difficult um, at all. But you, you know, Gerald's very good at um, training every horse individually, um, and you, and also training around breeds because I didn't have that before I went there. You know, you sort of say these horses by such and such, so they don't need much work. They need the space runs, all that sort of thing. You know, and that, that's probably. But what I took away from it. Um, was was that how to manage lots of horses and how to manage lots of staff, and that's that's the key. I think get get have people working for you in the right positions. Um, um, surround yourself with as many smart people as you can, and and then um, hopefully everything else falls into place. And you know, I, I took I took a lot away from from working there, and that that was. But the biggest thing was probably managing people. What about uh, Matt? Uh, your your move to Mwollomba. Where did that uh, all sort of come to uh, to a head? And uh, and as I guess the idea became a reality. Um, I was I was pretty much when I was with Gerald. I was there, like I said eight years. And I was just spent. I sort of you know I've had enough and wanted to try something else. Um, and my father had moved up there at the time, and um, that sort of I went up to visit him a couple of times and had a look at the track and thought, yeah, it's actually not bad, this place. And I sort of spoke to Gerald about it and and told told him what I wanted to do. And it was, originally it was a satellite stable. Um, I think most people probably know that in Gerald's name. And, and the idea was to, to move horses from Sydney that weren't coping with the environment in up there. And that, I think Mwumbo is about as far away from the environment at Rose Hill as you can possibly get. Um, and it's and the other the other, the other reason we picked the place is just because geographically where it is it's, it's got access to so many tracks so close to the highway um the beach you know there's, there's lots of positives and um that that was sort of a lot of people sort of said well why would you pick that but it, i think in hindsight and success that we've had since we went there it's, uh, I know, it's a great place to train yeah and i, I note uh, again from from reading your profile uh, online and just from other you know news articles that you've done especially when we've spoken about Probably post-COVID staff issues. That was a concern of yours going to Mwollumbar about the staff. Yeah, well, originally I, was, I sort of went there and um, we only had three horses, so we didn't need, need many staff. And I think we had a couple of girls that were going to school, that the sort of pony club girls. They came and gave us a hand of a morning to, to sort of walk horses dry. We didn't have a walker, um, and then you know it, it was quite incredible because as numbers grew, um, staffing was no problem. It's, it was. Really easy to to get staff there, not not from racing backgrounds, but but horse backgrounds and, and proper horse people that had good understanding of horses. And um, you know, I mean, a thoroughbred is not all that different to a stock horse, to be honest. Except stock horses might be a little bit more intelligent. But so I mean, they did that well. And and you know, when when Kira sort of came along, she then um, was very helpful in teaching them to ride work. And you know, our, our staff, most of our staff at Mullumbar are, are sort of. Um, on the job trained, if that makes any sense, because not mm. many of them are from racing backgrounds at all. You mentioned Kira. Obviously, she's an integral part of the team. How does that dynamic go? Um, is, there, uh, is it sort of the uh, what most of us uh, men out there, you know, they, they say behind every good man's an even better woman, and they really run the show, don't they? <laughs> she does. Um, yeah, no, she, she's uh, obviously we work very well together, and um, we have our moments, as anybody would, spending 24-7 together pretty much. Um, but but um, she, she does a really good job and she manages all the staff now um, and and um, works in the office with the girls when it counts around. Obviously, rides, she's, she rides most of the better horses' work, rides all the gallops. You know, she's a she's a big part of the business and, um, mm. you know, I'm very lucky because uh, there's 
I mean, you can you can pay people as much as you want or as much as you can afford to, but you can't get family, and, and family will always stick. So, you know, we're we're blessed that um, you know that, that we we can work so well together because it, it works very well. What's been your biggest thrill at the races so far, Matt? Uh, good question. Um, I think we, we won probably Magic Millions Day. We, we sort of won a couple of races on those days, and I think that the first big prize money race uh, that we won um, was when um, Dotty won Thai England later, uh, the cutest race, or it might have been the Mayor's race or something. And that was that was pretty cool because, um, you know, we had a lot of clients there and there was a fair bit of expectation. She sort of went around favourite and um, that was... Uh, that was a really fun day, really was. Yeah, and I mean, to how old were your little ones then at the time? Um, were they there to experience that? Um, no, they didn't come actually because Magic Man's Day is a bit difficult with yeah. that sort of stuff. But no, they did, they didn't come. But you know, they they've got a little bit of interest in in the horses, but not a whole lot. Is that something that you're um, you're open to? You, you, I mean, you're, you're wanting that uh, maybe to, to continue on generation to generation or they can just go on their own path? Oh, look, I think it's up to them. I mean, I've, I've always sort of said get a proper job so you can go home on the weekend and walk away. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's entirely up to them. They've got a little bit of interest in, in the horses, but not, not that much. They're, they're, not, um, they're certainly not racing enthusiasts, I can guarantee you that. How that's something very interesting, and, and you're not in the the only boat here. I mean, there'd be a number of trainers out there that uh, their families are involved, and you've got young children and whatnot. How hard is that to, to juggle, Matt? Uh, having having youngsters, and as you said, it's it's not a Monday to Friday job where you're home on the weekend and you can be doing this and that. Is that been difficult, or have you you've worked out ways in which you can manage it? No, look, it's manageable, and I think you know you, you work out ways to, to get around things and and. Um find yourself enough time to, to spend um, with kids like like my kids are sort of 17 and 19 now so they don't really want to hang around me much anymore so um, but yeah it's, I, I think um, particularly when when Kira and I are both working in the business it can be difficult but uh, you work out a way. Matt uh, and we're chatting with Matt Dunn uh, this morning what about the changes in in the racing game from when you've started to now I mean obviously we, we harp on about the prize money but just in ways I mean I always come back and look at horse quality. You've got horses uh, in your stable that, uh, you know, you were coming down and winning highways when they were introduced, and obviously that's now changed now, but you've still, you're competitive in this part of the world. Um, that must be, give you a bit of a thrill and, a you know, make you quite proud that, you know, a, a stable that starts in a Wollongbar can grow into what it has now. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, you know, it's been uh, a long, a lot of hard work and, and, um, and a, sort of a, a gradual um, sort of, I don't know what the right word is, but it, we've sort of gradually evolved from being a, a country stable and then, and then gently coming to Sydney. And it's worked quite well. We've had lots of help from the ATC as well with stabling, etc. But I think um, the fact that, that we're now in Sydney and we've established a stable, I want to get better results, um, but we get, we're attracting um, clients with, with more more expensive horses or, or better quality horses. And I think that's the thing. It's very satisfying when, when you get a, a call from someone wanting to sort of either that they want to take a share in a horse that was bought that cost a fair bit of money or they want to, they want to give us a horse to train that, that's, um, that's quite well bred and um, was expensive or was didn't go through a sale and they've retained it. It's, it's pretty satisfying. It just gives you that feeling that you're sort of starting to achieve things. And um, I think... As far as changes in the stable go, I mean, we've still got Moolumbug going and 
um, and they're doing a great job up there. I spend more time in Sydney now than what I do up there, um, just because it's managed well, you know. And that's that will always remain. Uh, that that stable will continue to to be a place um, for horses to go that, that maybe aren't competitive enough or want to change the environment. The horses at Cornella the Cup the other day they're a prime example of that. So. Um, I'd like to get more numbers in Sydney. Uh, when I moved over to Rose Hill, I had to sort of come back a bit numbers-wise, but I was, I was happy to do that. Um, but I, I'd like to eventually, if I can end up with sort of back up to 50 where we were, that would be perfect. How, how do you go about doing that? Is that just a matter of you know getting results, or is it a matter of you attacking the yearling saying, sales as a business? How, do, how does um, what's the plan? Well, it's just it's a stabling issue more than anything. If um, you know stables in Sydney are, are um, very difficult to, to sort of get into. If, um, at the moment, it's, prize money is so high and it's so competitive, and there's, there's, it seems that most of the better bred horses are, are now in Sydney with Sydney trainers, and it's it's hard to, it's, it's a stabling issue. Uh, I mean, the, the numbers are there, but um, you know we bought lots of yearlings last year, and you know you, it's a matter of getting it somewhere for them to live more than anything. But um, if I get results, and you know we've sort of got the support of the ATC, we've allocated stables at Rose Hill now, so hopefully we can continue, and we will continue to get results, and we'll. Um, that we can um, get some more boxes, perhaps, but uh, uh, that's that's the hard thing right now. We're chatting with Matt Dunn this morning on uh, on Monday's Experts. Matt, what uh, what do you want to achieve uh, in the uh, the rest of your training career? What's what's your bucket list? I'd like to get a Group One win if I can. I don't have one of them yet. It seems everybody else has, but um, it just uh, look. I mean, just continue to move forward. You know, I'm, with, like I said, the step from from Bar to establishing a full-time Sydney stable is just another step forward and continue to grow and continue to get lots of winners and keep owners happy. You know, it's, it's um, not much fun sitting down doing emails on on Monday morning when you've had a bad weekend and your horses have all got bashed up and you've got to, you've got to sort of sit down and, and um, talk about disappoint, disappointments and that sort of stuff, eliminate that. And just, you know, it's the same old thing. Everyone's just the same, keep the strike rate where it needs to be. Um, but I, I do enjoy... Um, making clients happy that's sort of very satisfying to me um can't keep everybody happy all the time but when you when you sort of have a good result um and and people appreciate it that that to me is a really big thing matt dunn um with mawollambar as a town i mean we're heading there uh tonight we get to the riverview hotel and we're we're looking forward to the kosciuszko i know you can't be a part of the kosciuszko but just for what this race has done for those regional areas it's quite extraordinary isn't it yeah, it is. You know, it's, I mean, the Kosciuszko, the country championships. Where I didn't win a Kosciuszko, but I won a country championship. And I mean, those the highway. Well, the highway races were, were part of. Well, that's what introduced us to Sydney racing. You know, before that, our highway horses were racing in Brisbane. So um, it was, that that alone is is it. You know, that, that, and I'm sure that. Um, well, I hope that we're a product of of what what Peter and his team are trying to achieve with these country races. You know, we've sort of. Been able to grow and expand, and, and it's on the back of um, country restricted races, and and that's I hope that um, that that's that's the way that they'd hope we'd we'd go, and, and other people can sort of follow follow along as well. But um, it's yeah, it's it, it's quite incredible, and there's a couple of horses at Mullumbar at the moment that'll probably try to go to the Kosciuszko, and, and you know it, it's it's a it's a great incentive, and and it's a great stepping stone to get to, to establish a, a full time Sydney stable as we have. It certainly is. Matt Dunn, uh, I appreciate your time this morning, mate, on, on Monday's Experts. If you could say something to the Matt Dunn when he was 16, 17, of what you know now about life, what would you say? 
Um, um, it's a good question, actually. You've, you've stumped me a bit there, but I, I think I think just be nicer to people. Matt, appreciate your time, mate. Well done on winning the Mwollomar Cup, Cornellering the race, and good luck with the success of not only the Rose Hill set up, but also that Mwollomar set up, and um, we'll chat to you soon. I really appreciate it, mate. Thank you very much, Dave.